Chapter twenty two of From Bangkok to Bombay Siam, French Indochina, Burma, Hindustan by Frank G. Carpenter. This recording is in the public domain. Recorded by Betty B. The Slaves of Caste. As I walked about the streets of the sacred city of Benares today, I passed a native who was just beginning to eat his rice from a brass bowl. All at once, with a look of disgust, he emptied the contents of his bowl upon the ground. The man was old, dirty, and ragged, and looked as if he had scarcely ever had a square meal. I was amazed and asked the reason for his action. I was told that he was a pilgrim from southern India, where caste is most rigidly observed, and that in passing him my shadow had fallen on his food and so polluted it that he would not eat it. I was a foreigner and therefore had no caste, while he, though so poor and wretched, was an upper caste Hindu. Probably that was the only food he had money to buy today, yet under the circumstances he would go hungry rather than touch it. The other day, while visiting a temple here, I came upon a Hindu with a beautiful brass bowl beside him. He had just come up from the Ganges and had set the bowl on a ledge. I picked it up, thinking to buy it. Thereupon the man grew angry, and my guide said that the Hindu could not use the bowl until it had been heated red-hot and thus purged of the pollution of my touch. In India one bumps into caste at every turn. My bearer will not sweep my room, for that is a menial service to be performed by a sweeper who is several grades beneath him. Neither will he black my boots. The cow is sacred, so is its skin, and therefore leather workers and boot blacks are low caste men. The other evening I asked my man to tell me the price of steak. He refused to defile his mouth with the word, and for him to handle a juicy tenderloin would mean loss of caste. I stopped today before an itinerant sweetmeat peddler and began to finger some of the candies on his table. He grew angry and told me to keep my hands off, as the Hindus would not buy anything a foreigner had touched. Such things are especially characteristic of the members of the higher castes. In the jails of India, the cook for the high caste prisoners is always a Brahmin, or otherwise they would not eat. I am told that prisoners have endured flogging and have even starved to death rather than eat food cooked by a low caste man. On my travels in the Far East, I have frequently been upon steamers with Hindus of one grade or another. Those of the higher castes take their cooks with them. They bring their own water on board and never come to the general tables. When the Rajah of Jaipur went to England some years ago, he carried a full retinue of servants, and wherever he went set up his special kitchen, which could be entered by none but his own people. No one knows the origin of caste, which dates far back in the dawn of Hindu history. One of the native words for caste is varna, meaning colors, and some people think the lines were drawn so as to prevent the Aryans from mingling their blood with that of the darker peoples whom they conquered in Hindustan. Thus, they say, caste was founded on somewhat the same feeling as that which results in the Jim Crow cars of our South. Of the four main castes, the two upper ones comprised the conquerors. The third was composed of the people who submitted without a fight, while the fourth was made up of those who resisted and were enslaved by the victors. It is evident that there has been much mixing of races in India. 
but perhaps caste was invented to keep intermarriage from going any farther however that may be the people of the northwest of hindustan are much lighter than those of the southeast where the prevailing color is a dull sooty black not only are caste distinctions firmly implanted in the social system of hindustan but they are rooted in the hindu religion itself as taught by the brahmins or priest class almost as sacred as the vedas themselves is the code of manu which lays down the laws and customs for the hindus and which is generally obeyed today this code defines the four great castes that have existed in india for centuries they are at the foundation of the nearly two thousand castes and the numerous sub-castes of today the first and highest caste is that of the brahmins supposed to have sprung originally from the head of brahma himself they are enjoined to study teach and receive alms they are bound by very strict rules and may not touch non-brahmins or eat food prepared by them in theory they are all priests but actually a large proportion of the twenty million brahmins in india now earn their livings as teachers clerks lawyers and in other professions they almost never work with their hands whatever their occupation they are by right of birth the lords of creation they bless curse teach and govern the other hindu castes they are the authority upon all matters religious and social and are the brains of the hindus they hold their position on account of the reverence and sanctity with which they are regarded and object to our civilization because they see it in the ruin of caste and the loss of their own choice position at the top of the heap the second great class was the warriors this class which has largely lost its prominence under british rule is supposed to have come from the arms of brahma theoretically most of the hindu rajas belong to this caste though as a matter of fact some of them are of the third class which formed the agricultural part of the old population this issued from the belly and thighs of brahma the fourth and last class was the sudra sprung from the feet of brahma and destined to serve the higher castes a large share of the people of india today belong in this caste which is composed of tradesmen and artisans many of whom have grown wealthy these are still the four main castes among the two hundred and seventeen million hindus but they are so divided and subdivided that no westerner could ever untangle their mazes and then beneath all these castes and subcastes are the pariahs or untouchables even they are divided into castes of occupation such as the sweepers the cobblers the cowskinners the corpse bearers and the scavengers who are lowest of all the untouchables are sometimes called panchamas or fifth caste people an untouchable sweeps my room and is so humble and servile that he does not lift his eyes as he creeps about with his dusting if even by accident he should touch the person of my bearer the latter would have to go through elaborate rites of purification when my servant pays his helper he throws the money on the floor and the pariah picks it up it would pollute my man to pass anything from his hand direct to the sweepers in the same way when buying things from a hindu merchant i always put the money down for him to pick up for to him i am an untouchable in the hindu villages the pariahs live by themselves they may not use the well of the people of caste and sometimes have to walk miles to get water 
they are not permitted to enter the houses of the higher classes in some provinces they may not even walk along the public streets they may not enter the temples and their children are either not admitted to the ordinary schools or must sit apart from the other pupils in some parts of india a brahmin will not allow an eater of beef to approach nearer than sixty-four feet while members of the groups of masons carpenters and leather workers will contaminate him if they draw nearer than twenty-four feet there are cases where untouchables summoned to court have had to sit several hundred feet down the road so as not to pollute the brahmin lawyers and justices it is next to impossible for a stranger to understand how the hindus regard caste matters each accepts his position in society as a religious dispensation and few hope to alter it all castes are hereditary the son of a brahmin is bound to be a brahmin and the son of a sudra a sudra the poorest brahmin always considers himself superior and he would spurn a millionaire of any class lower than his own what is more the millionaire would stay spurned i was talking the other day with one of the chief officers of the british army in india said he no matter how wealthy or how powerful a native becomes he cannot rise above his caste take the maharaja of gwalior he is one of the richest of the native rulers and vast sums flow into his coffers he has a big territory and several million subjects to govern nevertheless the poorest brahmin among them would not give him his daughter in marriage the rules of caste are most rigid as to marriage especially among the brahmins the brahmin thinks he condescends if he looks upon a woman of a caste below his marriages are made only in the caste and in the divisions of the caste to which one belongs it is easy to see that democracy could never flourish in a country in which two-thirds of the population are divided into such iron-bound classifications as these but as the ideals of western civilization have made their way in india the rigidity of caste has begun to yield the presence of the british the education of indian youths abroad the new industrial order and other innovations are weakening the power of the brahmins i have spoken of how railroad travel is helping to break down caste hindu soldiers who crossed the black water as the orthodox call the ocean to fight in the world war came back with new ideas about caste two societies are especially active in attacking caste and trying to improve the lot of the untouchables one of these anti-caste organizations is the brahmo samaj or society of the one god which is doing much to raise the standards of the hindu religion and the status of the pariahs the arya samaj another religious organization founded about fifty years ago numbers some four hundred and fifty thousand followers one of its leaders lajpat rai declared that the arya samaj repudiates caste by birth and considers pernicious and harmful the artificial barriers which caste has created in india to divide men from their fellow men their creed is the fatherhood of god the brotherhood of man equality of the sexes and justice and fair play between men and men and nation and nation the arya samaj has i understand special ceremonies for raising whole groups of untouchables to the sudra or lower caste the candidates for promotion live on milk alone for three days 
and then at a public meeting they make a profession of their faith in the principles of the sect in three years the society gave caste to a group of ten thousand untouchables in the territory of the maharaja of kashmir in another district it raised a group of thirty six thousand the servants of india society formed in nineteen o five to train national missionaries for the service of india has among its leaders university men of high attainments and their work is telling for the good of the country among other activities this society is organizing the boy scout movement and encouraging the formation of cooperative societies to rescue the oppressed classes from the hands of the loan sharks in their schools and churches the christian missionaries have also done a wonderful work among the untouchables who form the vast majority of the five million christian converts of india the late geek war of baroda one of the most progressive of all the native rulers stood out conspicuously for the rights of the pariahs he built separate schoolhouses for their children and set up schools for training untouchables to be teachers he even invited students of these lowest classes to receptions at his palace gandhi while maintaining that castes are necessary and right says untouchability is not a sanction of religion but a device of satan and a crime against humanity the brahmins themselves have modified certain caste rules as to food and drink for instance it is now possible to take patent medicines and drink soda water without losing one's soul a man is not damned if he buys ice made by a foreigner and he can eat soda crackers without being polluted our canned goods especially california fruits are becoming more and more popular here in india where they seem to satisfy a definite need i have been told that if our american canners would label their goods for india with the words no human hand has touched the contents and advertise their fruits in this way they would have a much greater sale among the hindus with improved wages the untouchables themselves are beginning to defy the brahmins here and there and in the industrial centers caste feeling is not nearly so strong as it once was there is a saying that in bombay there is no caste the other day i heard of a brahmin who was learning the plumber's trade when asked how that could be since touching filth was against all his caste rules he laughed and said that whereas his college-bred brother was getting less than fourteen dollars a month he himself could make forty dollars as a journeyman plumber and later on earn one hundred dollars as a foreman not long ago a hindu graduate from one of our american universities wrote his parents that when he returned to india he expected to set up a steam laundry his high caste father and mother were greatly distressed at the thought of their sons going into the trade as one of the lowest of all the social grades in india that of the washerman they offered him a large sum of money if he would change his mind and not bring this terrible disgrace upon the family high caste young men have been seen at national congresses of hindus carrying on their heads and shoulders the trunks and bags of low caste delegates in india this is nothing short of a social revolution will caste ever be wiped out recently i talked in the same day to two intelligent and thoughtful men both of whom had lived in india for some years when i put this question to the first he replied caste is interwoven with the social fabric of the country it will never disappear from india 
but the second man said yes and turning to my young secretary added and in your lifetime end of chapter twenty two